I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Beauty Bosses. I am so excited to welcome this week's guest, a true visionary in the beauty industry, Sasha Plavsik, the brilliant mind behind Ilya Beauty. If you're a beauty enthusiast, chances are you may be familiar with Ilya's popular sustainable makeup products, but today we have the opportunity to dive deeper into Sasha's commitment to delivering top-notch, cruelty-free, eco-friendly cosmetics that have really set some cool new standards in the industry. Um, so I'm so happy to have you here, Sasha. Your dedication to creating products that are good for you and for the planet is really cool. Um, and I think that a lot of people are really passionate about clean beauty. And so many people are interested in new career paths and the concept of entrepreneurship. So I think that's very interesting for the next generation. Uh, work, workplaces are really changing and modes of business are changing too. Um, so I hope we can talk about all of that. So welcome, Sasha. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is how did you get started? What made you found Ilya Beauty? Oh my goodness. It's a big question. <laughs> yeah, we no, I think get right into it. Get right into it. Yeah, no, I think so it was roughly in 2009, I had an early life crisis. I would say maybe now I'm going through a midlife crisis, but I had an early life crisis um, in my late 20s. I left a relationship. I left a job. I thought through my whole 20s, I was meant to be working in advertising and branding and have a career. And really, I should have just been traveling around the world and probably living my life um, in a more like carefree way. So I ended up doing that in my late 20s. I was living in Southern California and kind of lived in Europe and New York and um, was exposed to a lot of different things, lots of different brands. And my last gig was actually at Urban Decay Cosmetics in California, where I was freelancing and helping with the rebrand. And it was during the recession. So it was a pretty wild time. And I remember their business was way up and they were doing phenomenally well. And it was really my first introduction as a branding designing person or marketing person into that world or that industry. Um, and I didn't really think much about it. They actually offered me a full-time position. It was a lovely team, a lovely group of people, but I decided that I needed to go home. I hadn't been home in a decade. Um, I wanted to go back off the grid to Canada. So I got in my golf, I drove North and went back to Vancouver. And when I got home, um, I was living in a little studio suite next to my parents' garage, and I had really bad skin. I think I'd just gone off the birth control pill. Um, I'd always had problems with my skin from age 13. Like it was, if I really look back on it, I think like how self-conscious I was around that for a couple decades in my life was significant. And I came home and here I am 10 years later you know, not a baby anymore, so to speak. And my mom's like, I think you really need to start paying attention to what you're putting on your skin. And that for me was the catalyst to, okay, I just came from a beauty brand. I'm using lots of different beauty products. I don't really know what I'm doing, but my skin is definitely reacting. What is caught? What's, what's, what's making this happen? And so that was the catalyst to start looking into 
into beauty a little bit more and what kicked off the whole brand. And what were your first steps? Did you have a nest egg saved up that you were going to personally invest? Or did you feel like you had to do some research on the internet? Or how do you go from like having some concerns with your own skin to starting a company? You know what? I think in my in my mind, I never thought this is going to be a company. This is going to be a big brand. It was really a project. And for me, it was definitely starting on the internet. Uh, starting to research ingredients, starting to understand what, you know, what was actually in my products. Um, I chose one and I didn't choose complexion to start because complexion is so complex, as you probably really know well. Um, so I ended up starting with a lip product. And the idea was eventually to go into more, but I dissected it. I looked at everything. Um I knew that I, I wasn't somebody making stuff in my kitchen. That that scared me. Uh, I, I knew I had to find the right person or the right chemist to help me get to a formula that I felt was really going to deliver real benefits to the skin. So even to the surface of the lips, a lot of lip products, they can feel amazing on an application, but then maybe the pigment doesn't sit right or it's not buildable. So you'd have to apply something lighter and then something more bold. And after a period of time, your lips can dry out. So I really wanted a multi-purpose hybrid of a lipstick meets lip balm that was buildable and that would make your lips feel more conditioned with everywhere. So that was the that was the challenge. And honestly, it was going to trade shows, talking to people about it. I was saying the other day to somebody, you know, when you're really in um when you're really excited about something or passionate about something and you start sharing that idea, other people will get kind of get on that energy wavelength. <laughs> and probably help kick open doors for you or introduce you to people that will help carry you along your journey. So I was really lucky to have a few of those people that I'd met that introduced me to other people. And then a lot of it was also just picking up the phone and calling, like calling the biggest lipstick manufacturer in the world and begging them if they could do a minimum run run for me. Uh, Money-wise, I didn't have very much. I was working in another branding job, living at home with my parents, which helped to save money. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that when you're 30. I think, you know, there's some people say, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. But I think it's whatever you need to do to be able to get to where you need to go. So that was its own sacrifice. But it was a blessing that I was had that opportunity to do, do that. Um, and I'd saved some money. I had a couple credit cards. And then I did approach my dad with the idea who was a creative. He was an architect. And I said, you know, could you co-sign a line of credit for me? And he did. And that was for 25000 which is really challenging to start a brand with today. But back then, considering how small I started and that I would just walk into lifestyle stores locally and ask if they would carry my lip tints, it, it was enough to get going. That's really great. And um, from there, did you feel like you were able to reach consumers through retail or direct to consumer or what was your approach so this was in 2011 which was a long time ago so it's already 12 years ago instagram was just starting um my approach was letterpress stationery that was done really beautifully with artwork letterpress in los angeles because my background was in typography a beautifully handwritten note and product nicely sent in a little package out to some of my favorite lifestyle retailers. So at the time it was ABC Home, Colette in Paris, 
um, and a few others. And then it was me getting in a car and driving back down the coast, going to Seattle, Portland, um, finding all the little lifestyle boutiques that I felt resonated with what I wanted the brand to resonate with. Uh, and that was a place of discovery, you know, for people that were looking, you know, looking for trends. Uh, so that was the approach and it absolutely worked. It wasn't fast and furious, um, which is great because I made a lot of mistakes in the first several years of the business. So I had time to learn from those mistakes at a smaller size. Um, and then Sephora did come knocking a year later in 2012. And uh, I still have a relationship with that merchant who she's moved into a new industry, but she was there for over a dozen years. And um, I told her, I'm so flattered. Uh, thank you, but I can't afford you. And let's keep talking. And we did. We kept talking for several years and we didn't start in, in Sephora until 2017 with one skew. So it's quite a gap between the two. That's amazing. Wonderful. And um, what would you say was the big moment of inflection for you in building a brand? Um, Inflection in what way? Did you feel like you had a gradual buildup over time, like kind of a steady buildup? Or was there a big kind of hockey stick moment where you swooped up a curve? There was definitely a hockey step mo stick moment. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. Um, I think for us, it was very, I mean, we were under a few million for several years. We didn't have funding until 2018. So the whole thing was bootstrapped. I had almost a full line by 2015 that I discontinued in, in 2015, 16 and 17 to restart the whole line because the formulas weren't good enough. And that happened. And then, you know, it was nearly a decade since I created that logo and branding. And I felt, I think around 2018, I knew in my heart, I was like, I, we've got to update this look. Otherwise we're not going to make it. It's not going to be visible enough. So we went through a rebrand. It worked with a uh, firm, Are You Leading in New York City? Uh, Helen Steed, who used to be at Glossier as their creative director, I worked with her and we did a repack. So there was the repack, the new formulas, some momentum happening with Sephora and some funding. And then there was the pandemic. And we just wrapped a bus in New York. We just got front of store in Sephora. And it was a moment of like, okay, here we are. We are at our grandest hour and everything is closing. So we pivoted and went all D to C. And when everybody pulled off the gas with their spending, we stepped on it because prices went down and we stepped on it hard for the next year and a half. And that to me is really what helped propel the business. And I hate to say that it was propelled even faster as a result of the pandemic, but it, it actually, it absolutely was. What, what's, what is Ilya all about? What, how do you think of the company? I think as a brand, um, you know, our mission is to protect and revive the skin. And, you know, the end result is that I would like to make your skin look and feel alive. That was written in bold text in a very elementary way on my website back in 2011, maybe with a picture of myself next to it. It's very old school. But I, I really, I really felt that again, you know, I mentioned I was very um, self-conscious of my skin when I had a lot of acne and struggles that I was going through. And 
to make somebody feel good in their own skin, you know, what is that, what does that mean? And to me personally, I didn't want to cover everything up like a mask. I didn't want it to look cakey or too makeupy. I wanted it to do its job without really affecting the skin in a way that, you know, if you have, I, th I do believe there's certain ingredients or fragrances, whether they're natural or synthetic, um, there's certain ingredients that you can limit to make sure that you're not causing more disruption to the skin and um, and ultimately that you can see an improvement. So we really started developing products, especially complexion products that would look to take care of that. So if you have inflammation, redness, uh, rosacea, eczema, that there isn't anything in there that would exacerbate it further. And that we're perhaps adding ingredients like elantoin, you know, this is in many of our products, which is um, approved, you know, by FDA for eczema to use. And we are using it at a uh, efficacious level. So I think ultimately for the brand, you know, I'd like people to find products that they find easy to use that are fast. So many of them are hybrid based skincare, makeup, SPF all in one. I'm a mom. I think you're a mom. Is, is this a rumor that I heard? Do you have six kids? I do. I have six kids. I think that that is outstanding. I like you are my idol because I have I have no I don't I would not be standing if I was in your shoes. So I think that is absolutely amazing. And you are my customer in that sense where I want to be able to save you time because time is the one thing we can't generally get more of. And many of these products are meant to help you do that and also take care of your skin at the same time so that over time clinically, you will see an improvement in your skin. Is your company one of your children? Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's the fun part about having a business. It's like uh, the next child in your lineage and uh, you have to raise the, raise the next kid and help it grow up healthy. That's and right. So that, that would mean you have eight kids, maybe more. Yeah. The six and then the, the medical practice, the skincare line. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a big fruitful, uh, fruitful little company. Yeah. Um, how do you, um, how do you manage it all? I know it's the quintessential question. Oh, I think I've failed pretty hard <laughs> over the years. Uh, you know, I think there's, you need a lot of support. Absolutely. Um, it's funny, you know, I was, I was on another podcast speaking about it and, you know, everyone's saying, oh, there's going to be other entrepreneurs or women listening who want to start something. And you don't have to start something to feel like, like start a brand or, you know, have a business to feel like you've made it. I think there's so many other things in life that you can do to feel satisfied. <laughs> so I just, I think I want to put that out there um, because having your own business, as you know, as a business owner, it's a lot of work and there are absolutely sacrifices that I believe you have to make. Um, I don't think that people can actually have it all. I think you can have pieces of it, but to have it all. So you can be there for all of the school events and, um, pick up and drop off if you're having kids and making the dinners and to do all of it and manage the household and manage your business and manage your employees. Um, it's kind of like if you were to explain to somebody, you know, 50 years ago that that's what you're trying to do, they'd probably want to admit you somewhere and tell you you're, you're crazy. <laughs> so I, I think is in, in relation to trying to manage it, um, I think finding the right support, finding the right people, finding time for the people that matter in your life, whether it's it's obviously going to be the children, your husband, um, and yourself is critical. And then everything else is kind of second and third after that. 
you have any advice for people who are thinking about the concept of entrepreneurship? Like what's something that was really hard that you didn't expect to be hard? Um, I think transitions are hard. And I think it's important to recognize that if you want to have a business, your business, like we kind of talked about earlier, is like a kid and kids will grow and change and have different needs at different times. Like when I started at Iliad, it was a baby. And now I would say it's, 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 in, you know, Ilya has gone off to college and, uh, and it's, you know, it's experiencing a different time in, 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 uh, I'm going to say her life. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to flex with that and know that if you feel like something's not right, you have to listen to your heart and your gut. And if you feel like something needs to change, you're probably, that's probably the right feeling. Um, what does it take to do that? Who needs to be involved? And, um, yeah, I think every business has to have nine lives and ours has definitely had several in order to survive. What does Ilya mean? Ilya is a family name. It was my great grandfather's name. He was a shoe designer at the turn of the very last century in Belgrade. My, uh, my dad was from, uh, Yugoslavia at the time. And he, um, he made beautiful shoes that were crafted with quality and really cared about the outcome for the customer, which is, I think, a big ethos for us as well. Um, the name phonetically in English sounds very feminine, but in Slavic languages, it's very masculine. So I really liked the, like the masculine and the feminine, the balance in a way. Oh, that's neat. And fun fact about you is that you studied topography. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite font? Oh, God, I don't want to be boring, but I would say the one that I think is the most reliable out there is the one that is the most classic, and that is Helvetica. Yeah, it's a good one. An oldie but good goodie. Yeah, and, and then you have... Are you, are, are you someone who's always looking at fonts? You know what? I think in my past life, absolutely. Um, today, a little bit less. But I do give my team a hard time about spacing. <laughs> and uh, if something's centered, I want it usually left aligned. I won't want something justified where it's like down a column if it's creating a bunch of awkward spacing between the words. So yeah, I would say that there's a little bit of my past life that resonates forward into this one. What do you have in mind for the future of Ilya? We have a lot. Um, this year was actually really light in product launches. We dipped our toe into a bit of skincare. Uh, there was the eye cream that came out that ended up becoming the number one selling eye cream uh, across skincare and makeup at Sephora. So that was a big surprise. Um, I don't really see the categories um, being so segregated, like skincare, makeup, hair. I think that at the end of the day for Ilya, what we really want to do is create great products that work for the customer. And ideally that every customer from any age or background can find a roadmap through the brand uh, with products that work for them and make their day-to-day -day lives a little easier and their skin a little better. Well, that sounds amazing. Um, what can we expect in terms of innovations in your space with with what you are hoping to do with leading the way there? I think, uh, I think innovation is really important. I think also, again, having product offerings that 
we don't have that we're missing in our lineup is is something else that's needed. So we'll probably for sure see a combination of both in the coming years. Uh, we definitely have um, some really fun color coming this fall, which um, it's like an explosion of color. I'm so excited about it. And then uh, in the first half of next year, there'll be more of a focus back on complexion, which will also be pretty big for us in two different ways. So I uh, can't wait to share those and and do think it will be a, a great turning point for us. Well, that's so great. And where can people find you? You can find Ilya on our website, iliabeauty.com, and of course at Sephora and select retailers. Well, thank you so much, Sasha. It's been so fun chatting with you and we are all so excited to see what you do next. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. <laughs>